you got a Bible, go to Mark chapter 10. Yes, we get excited about the Word of God. I want to preach a message to you called Jesus is Calling You Out. Jesus, turn to someone next to you and say, Jesus is calling you out. Are you at Mark chapter 10? Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Turn to verse 46. It's kind of far back in chapter 10. And it is a moment where Jesus was calling somebody out. As they were coming to Jericho, Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, I would imagine like an 11 a.m. church crowd, they were, they were leaving the city. They were excited. We just had church. It was good. And um, we're all headed to go get some chicken together. We're going to go eat together. And they're leaving the city. And all of a sudden, this blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And he was begging. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people started rebuking him. They were like, shh, be quiet. It's church, man. Don't talk. He doesn't care. He doesn't listen to you. But he shouted all the more, Jesus. Notice that it was the religious people trying to shush this man and trying to stop him from getting to Jesus. Be Listen, we should never stop someone from experiencing their breakthrough with Jesus. We, you know, we have protocol, but I'm telling you, let's not let those that are in need of a miracle miss out on their breakthrough because of our preferences or how we think it's supposed to be. Jesus stops and he says, call him. So they call to the blind man, cheer up, my friend. Get up on your feet. He's calling your name. He's calling you out. Turn to someone next to you and say, he's calling you out. Now, this last week, we were on this mission trip, and me and Ashley, we were on the bus. We brought our two oldest boys, uh, five kids, and so the two older ones, they were so excited, Liam and Benny, and so we were doing, you know, chants on the bus. We were doing shout-outs, and I said one of their names from the front of the bus. I go, Liam! I said, you should be in this next, you know, we were going to another street place, and I said, we're going to do dramas. I said, Liam, be in the drama, and he was like, I go, Liam! And so later on, he came to me and goes, Dad, you embarrassed me. You called me out in front of everybody. And I said, I'm sorry. I just was excited. I wanted you to be a part of the drama. He goes, don't do that. You know, he's nine years old. And um, <laughs> I think about moments where my dad called my name out in church when I was leaving church. Like, I was sneaking out. I was a teenager, and I'd be walking out the back of the Maybe Center, and he'd go, Paul, David, come back down here, right here. Sharon, go get our son. Paul, David, Doherty, you come down. And I was just like, oh. Have you ever had your name called out, and it was embarrassing? You ever had your name called out in, in church? Should I do it right now, Antonio Guajardo? <laughs> Sarah Dillard, Dom DeMeo. Should I call your name? What if we just did a roll call right now? You're like, please don't say my name right now. I'm, I, like, I got eagle eyes. I can see in the very back. I see people. I, I see you up there. Galen Nations in the very top of Janet Nations. Wave your hands so they know I'm making real names. They're like, is, 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 is that a person? <laughs> I can see you up there. I can call your name. But Jesus called his name. Somebody say, Jesus is calling you out. And so when he called it, now here's the beautiful thing. Jesus was not calling him out to condemn him. He was calling him out to heal him. He was not calling. I'm already preaching if you're taking notes. Note takers are history makers. Jesus wasn't calling him out to shame him. He wasn't calling him out, Al Richardson, to shame him. He wasn't calling him out to condemn him. He was calling him out to save him, to heal him, to do a new work inside of him. Jesus doesn't call us out to make us feel miserable or to make us feel embarrassed or to be like, oh, don't say my name. He calls us out to tell us, I know you. I know what you've walked through. I see what you've been through. I see how they treated you. I see what you've gotten yourself into. And I'm calling you out of that past shame, that condemnation, that guilt. And I'm calling you into a future. So when they called him, when Jesus called him, he throwed his cloak over. 
and he walked towards Jesus. He got up on his feet, and Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? He says, Rabbi, I just want to see. I just want to see. And Jesus said, go. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us today. Remind us that you have a purpose for us, that you are for us and not against us, that you love us and you came to save us, heal us, redeem us, and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you so much, my friend. Can we give the worship team a big hand? They do a great job every single service. Okay, so pray for me because we got in at midnight last night and I've got a little bit of sleep and I might say crazy things because I am running on a little bit of, little bit of sleep today, but I, I'm excited to be here. I, I've been looking forward to preaching to you this week. Um, we had a couple of just powerful moments this last week on missions. One of them that I want to just point out to was Friday night, we did this outdoor crusade, this revival in the streets of the rainforest in the middle of Belize. And that earlier that day, we had seen a crocodile in the water. They like it was it was the real rainforest there. And so we're out in the streets, and we weren't sure how many people were going to come, but hundreds of people started coming. Then it turned into thousands. People were tuning in online, packing in this small village area out in this street corner. Well, while we were praying, and and I was preaching, and our teams did dramas. I told the teenagers, I said, "Be ready because I might call your name up." to come and testify on stage. So the teenagers that went with us from our church, there was about 20 of them that went um, on this trip. By the way, we've had over 100 teenagers go on missions this last week during spring break to Guatemala, Belize, Costa Rica, Florida, and and sharing the gospel. And so the ones that were on this team, they they were like, okay, is he really going to call my name? Sure enough, I surprised him. I said, Katie, come up here, share your testimony. And she walked up there, and I watched as Katie just began to preach. She went from intimidation to a place of authority. And she began to move, and she began to preach. Then I watched as another person, this lady came up on stage that Ashley was praying for. She had been set free from witchcraft, from demonic oppression. She had dabbled with a Ouija board, and she had really invited, like, y'all know demons are real, right? And the supernatural is real. Like, some of the highest grossing films in theaters are always the horror films, The Exorcist, uh, like all the exorcism movies, (laughs) paranormal activity. People people in the world that don't go to church, they believe more in demons than sometimes the church does. (laughs) We need to realize it is real. Like, when you dabble with witchcraft, you're going to see some stuff moving. She said, you know, this lady had moved the Ouija board. We're not talking Jumanji. We're talking, like... Real stuff floating in the air. She had seen the satanic realm, but she got set free from that darkness. And on Friday night, she had been feeling torment. She'd been feeling pain as a result of of inviting the witchcraft into her life. It had affected her. Well, as Ashley and others started praying for her, and during the sermon, she got healed. Not only was she set free, but she got healed. Well, then we had her up on stage. She was testifying. I said, hey, would you be willing to pray for other people now? that are dabbling with witchcraft to be set free and delivered from demonic oppression. And you could tell she was like put on the spot because it's one thing to be free yourself. It's another thing to be a part of helping other people get free. And, and I was calling her out. Somebody say, he's calling you out. Jesus is calling you out. And she began to pray and she began to prophesy that Jesus was going to set people free. And sure enough, that night, just just two nights ago, people started getting free. I want to give you a few things that Jesus is calling you out of, but you could make your own list. Number one, Jesus is calling you out of fear and into faith. Think about when Jesus called Peter to walk on water. Again, during this moment, the disciples, they were all afraid. They were in a storm. And Jesus comes walking on the water and they think he's a ghost. They go, oh, it's a ghost. Jesus says, no, it's me. Peter says, if it's you, call me to walk towards you. Jesus says, come. The invitation to walk on water, the invitation to step out of our comfort zone of fear and to start walking towards Jesus, the invitation to be a part of what Jesus is doing from fear to faith. Now, some of us, we don't even realize that we've been operating in fear. The reason we haven't stepped out to start a connect group or serve in the youth group or go on a missions trip or serve at the Dream Center is we're afraid. What if God 
doesn't use me? What if God doesn't flow through me? What if I pray for the sick and they don't get healed? What if I open my house up and, and I'm not good enough to be a connect group leader? What if I do this and I fail? What if I launch this company? What if I step out? What if I go on this mission trip, but then I'm embarrassed because I don't have as much, you know, spiritual, you know, like a strong spiritual pedigree as some of these other people. But Jesus says, no, I'm calling you out from fear into faith. Trust that Jesus is bigger than your fears. Trust that he's greater than your intimidation, your insecurities, that he works through people, not that are perfect, but people that have faith in his perfection, in his character, in his goodness, in his power. Jesus is calling you out from living for yourself into living with a greater purpose. In Mark chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee when all of a sudden there was these two guys that were fishing. And he says, hey, you, come and follow after me, and I'll teach you how to really fish. What was Jesus doing? He was inviting them to move from living for themselves. You fish for yourself, you make some money. But you fish for Jesus, you make an eternal impact that echoes for generations to come. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a job or you shouldn't get married, have kids. Those are great things. But there is a deeper purpose to life than just graduating from college, getting your MRS degree and getting 40K a year or whatever salary you, you, you want to make and, and buying that house and getting that car. Jesus says, I have a bigger purpose. So get your job, get married, whatever those dreams are, but live for the glory of God. You're the light of the world. You're the city on a hill. Jesus is inviting us to live beyond ourselves. Jesus is calling us out of shame and into grace. There was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery in Jesus' time. And she was thrown at his feet. And all these religious leaders, they had their stones. They were like, we are ready to stone this woman to death. And Jesus gets down in the sand. And I love Jesus. I love his, his heart for people. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves the people that oftentimes the church gives a side eye to. The church is like, I don't know. I don't know about this. And Jesus gets right there, right in the sand. Then he looks at the religious people. He says, you with no sin, you who've never sinned in your life, you get to throw the first stone. You get to write the first comment on Facebook. You get to throw the first slander against this woman if you've never sinned. One by one, the religious leaders dropped their stones. Jesus was calling the woman out of shame, out of sin. He said, woman, where are your accusers? She says, there's none. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Out of shame into grace. The same grace he showed her, he wants to show you and me today. How many are thankful for his grace? Come on, half of us in the room. The other half, let's, let's get it. Jesus is calling us out from bondage into freedom. Some of us in this room, we don't even realize it. We, we've been addicted to things for so long, and Jesus is saying, it's time to get free. It's time you got free from that lifestyle of sin. It's time you got free from that addiction to stuff. It's time that you got out of that bondage to witchcraft and darkness. It's time you got out of that bondage of that Jezebel spirit you've been under. It's time you got out and you started walking in freedom. Jesus is calling us out not to condemn us, but to set us free. Jesus is calling you out of depression and oppression into a sound mind. I want to go to Mark chapter, uh, let's go to Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five. Are you guys okay if I hit you with some red letters today? Some red talk. Jesus, what did he come to do? Who did he come to reach? Why did he come? And uh, let's go to verse, verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake. And when they got to this place, Jesus climbed out of the boat, and a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. The man lived in burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put in chains and shackles... As he often was, he would snap the chains from his wrist and he would smash the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue this man. Day and night, he wandered among the caves and the tombs and the hills and he would howl in the darkness and he would cut himself with stones. This man was suicidal. 
He was tormented. He was depressed. He was overwhelmed. He was having panic attacks, anxiety, depression. Every mental illness you could imagine was part of this legion in his mind. In fact, the legion of demons in his mind was over a thousand demons is what they called themselves. Just like this massive uh, amount of, of demonic soldiers that had taken him captive on the inside. My boys this last week, they, they saw someone at the crusade who had come down to the front and that he was acting crazy. And our team started praying for him. By the end of the night, he was in a better place mentally and emotionally. And they said, what was wrong with that man? I said, I believe he was demon possessed. And they said, have you ever seen that before? I said, oh yeah. When I was eight years old, I was in Haiti with my mom and dad. And I remember we landed in Port-au-Prince and we got into this Jeep and, and the missionary who was with us in the Jeep with mom, dad, me, and John, he said, um, you need to be aware that the witch doctor who runs this part of, of the country has put a curse on Billy Joe and Sharon and their kids. And uh, they had dolls that they had poked needles in and of us. They, they literally wanted us to die and to get sick and to be cursed by the witch doctor. He said, you need to know that he wants to curse the whole uh, crusade that we were about to do. We were going to do outdoor revival services. Now, I'm eight years old. Like, I'm watching Snoopy at home and, and Charlie Brown. Like, I, I, like, what? What in the world? What in the what is happening right now? Which doctor? I didn't know about this stuff. And so I was afraid. My dad and mom said, don't be afraid. They started praying in the spirit, Right? And they said, in the name of Jesus, we bind every curse that has been spoken over our family. We reverse the curse in Jesus' name. You need to know that Jesus is more powerful than demons, satanic rituals, witchcraft, witch doctors. Jesus is stronger. I see my sister Sarah over there. She knows this because she was on a mission trip one time. And, and she was holding a microphone with a cord connected to it. And something went crazy in the cord, and it started electrocuting her while she was preaching. And none of us realized it was shaking. It was shaking, and, and she was shaking. It, the electricity was electrocuting Sarah until she said, Jesus! And something broke in that moment. And Sarah got back up and continued to minister because Jesus is more powerful than any demonic activity that would try to mess with your family or mess with his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. So my boys, they were like, so what happened? I said, we were in the Jeep. And there was a group of people that surrounded our Jeep as we were driving towards the missions base. And, 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 and they surrounded the Jeep and they started rocking the Jeep. They blocked the road. It was a blockade. And they got all up against the Jeep. And we're I'm talking like 50 people. And they started shaking the Jeep back and forth. Some started throwing rocks at the windows. And I'm like eight years old, and John's nine years old, and we're afraid. And mom and dad just kept praying. In Jesus' name, boys, let's just pray. In Jesus' name, God's going to make a way. Well, sure enough, the people parted for whatever reason. I think they saw angels. They parted, and the Jeep drove straight through there. We got into the missions base, and I was like, we should stay right here. <laughs> the gate was closed. There was some barbed wire above the, uh, the, the, the wall. I was like, this is a good, safe place. My dad goes, no, tonight we're going out back into that street and we're going to hold an outdoor crusade and we're going to pray for the sick, the demon possessed. We're going to pray for those that are lost because this is why we're here. We're not here to stay in our little mission space. We're here to be the light of the world, a city on a hill, salt to a flavorless world. We're here to bring hope to the hopeless. We're here to set the captives free. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. So we went back out that night. And I was, I was like flinching, like, is rocks coming at the Jeep? Are they going to surround us again? We drove up to the outdoor service. Dad got up to preach. My mom sang, he's a healing Jesus. He's a healing Jesus. And his powers, something. I don't know the rest of it. It's really good. She, she does way better than I do. When he got up to preach, this woman started crawling on all fours, backwards, like the exorcist. I'd never seen it, but I saw the real thing. <laughs> never seen the movie, but I lived the movie in Haiti that year, 1994, and um, starts crawling on all fours towards the stage fast. 
like insane, not human. She was demon possessed. And I was afraid. I was sitting on the stage because this is back in the days when they would put the preachers on the stage. We'd sit in chairs. We're all sitting there. And I was seeing this, this creature come crawling towards the stage very fast. You should go on missions trips, my friends. <laughs> my mom was telling me earlier, she was like, some of these stories your dad never wanted to tell because he didn't want to discourage people from going on missions. And I was like, well, maybe it'll inspire some people to, to go and see that the world is big and in need of hope and healing in Jesus. And so um, my dad pointed at that woman said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop right there. She stopped. She fell flat down on the ground. He preached. At the end, people got saved. That woman came down. She was in her right mind. She was set free from demonic oppression. Jesus is calling you out. Out of darkness into light. Out of bondage into freedom out of depression and oppression into a sound mind. So Jesus shows up for this man. And when Jesus was still a distance away and saw this man, this man ran to meet him and bowed low before Jesus with a shriek in his mouth. He said, why are you interfering with me, Jesus? <laughs> The devil does not want to be interfered with. The devil wants to have... See, the devil hides himself in America differently than he does in Haiti, I think. I think there it was very much more manifested externally we could see it. Here it's way more camouflage. It's hidden in self-righteousness. It's hidden in greed. It's hidden in lust. It's hidden in pride. It's hidden in hatred towards a brother or sister. You go, well, Paul, hatred's not demonic. Oh, yes, it is. You think hatred came from Jesus? Well, jealousy's not demonic. You think Jesus gave you that spirit of jealousy? It, it camouflages in like, it's just a little bit of sin. Jesus says, it's witchcraft. And it's messing with you. And I came to set you free. I didn't come to call you out to condemn you. I'm not going to call you out today. But Jesus is speaking to you saying, let's break that. Let's break that spirit off today. Lester Sumrall was a man who inspired my dad to go on missions to Russia. In fact, his grandson preached for us last Wednesday night, Dave Sumrall. And Lester, he passed away. He's in heaven now. But one time he was... In a hotel room, he was asleep, and all of a sudden, the TV came on. Just, he didn't turn it on. It just came on. And there was a demon talking through the TV. And the demon said, I am Apollyon. That was, he said his name, and he said, Lester, I'm going to destroy the next generation in America. Lester shook his head. No, you're not. He said, yes, I am. He said, watch me. Through the, through the television, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to take over the minds of the next generation through music, through TV. This was back in 1980. This was prior to MTV really rising up. And sure enough, within the next few years, television became a place of mass destruction on the minds and hearts of, of people in our nation and around the world. But Lester pointed at that TV. He said, he said something along the lines of, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And he said, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going after this generation for Jesus. Well, sure enough, he began to buy networks on TV and share the gospel. I'm telling you right now, if we don't get involved in kingdom ministry, there is another kingdom at war right now for this nation. And they're using every platform, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, Netflix. They're using every platform, ABC, NBC, not just to worship Satan during the Grammys, but to plague kids' minds to not know who their gender is, what their sexuality is, who they are, 
to make people feel like we're all confused and we don't, like there's not a real God and the Bible's not true anymore and we can't trust the scriptures and we should challenge every authority and, and kids should rebel against their parents. This is why the church has to be engaged for such a time as this. We're in a war right now. We're in spiritual warfare. Ashley and I have had to turn the TV off at times during kids shows. During little kids shows for five-year-olds. We'd walk in there thinking it was a, a, an appropriate fine show and they're, they're indoctrinating our kids. And so we go, hold on, we gotta pay attention to this. We gotta pay attention to this. We can't just be walking around naive like, eh, hey, everything's fine. There is a war going on. Jesus understood he was there in that place, not just to give everybody a high five and a hug, but to break demonic powers over that island. He was there to set the captives free. So Jesus looked at this man who was possessed by demons. And, and the, the man with demons, he says, I beg you, don't torture me. See, the enemy is subject to the authority of the believer. When we know who we are, that we are children of God, the power of Jesus is stronger than the power of Satan. The same man I was telling you about, Lester Summerall, one time he was in his house, woke up in the middle of the night, he heard this creaking back and forth, walks downstairs, sees his rocking chair walk, rocking back and forth, and sees Satan was sitting in his living room. That's what he said. And, and my boys asked me last night, they were like, did, what did Satan look like? Did Lester tell you what I was like, no, I was little. He's like, like, was he red? Did he have horns? Was he holding a pitchfork? Was he breathing fire? I was like, I don't know. Well, how did he know it was Satan? I said, all I know is that Lester said when he came down in his house, in his living room, that, that he literally felt the presence of Satan, like darkness, was sitting there. And he looked at it and said, oh, it's just you, and went back to sleep. He had faith and power to not be afraid of the devil. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of darkness when we know we are children of the light. Now, this may not make sense to some in the room. You're going, this is crazy, Paul. I'm a new believer, and I never have heard this stuff before. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. You ever heard of the movie Paranormal Activity? It was made by non-Christians. They made billions of dollars off the franchise. Why? Because the world is obsessed with the supernatural. People who don't go to church, they're into the horror movies because it's real. There is a different reality beyond this reality. But can I tell you, there is a stronger paranormal activity going on up there, and it is the power of Jesus Christ, and it is the power of God working through believers who have a firm identity that I know who I am in Christ. I'm a child of God. I was bought by the blood of Jesus. He died on the cross for me. There it is right there. He died on the cross, not just for my sins, not just for my sickness and disease, but so that I could be a child of God, so that I could walk in authority over darkness, that I have power over the enemy. And so Jesus points at this and he says, come out of this man, you evil spirit. And Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. The evil spirits begged him again and again not to, to, to uh, cast him out to some distant place. I want the band to come up. So this is interesting. Jesus cast them out. They said, send us to the pigs. Let us enter the pigs. Any of y'all eat bacon this morning? I'm just kidding. It's out of you. But Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits left, and they plunged into the water. Now watch what happens. I want you to come back to this moment. Those who had seen a crowd began to gather in verse 15. They saw the man who had been possessed. They saw the man who had been tormented. And he was sitting there, clothed, perfectly sane in his mind. And those who had seen what had happened told everyone about this demon-possessed man. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to leave them alone. The power of God had moved, and they didn't know how to receive it. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, who was now set free, he begged to go with Jesus. But Jesus said, no, go home. Go home? Home? 
Can't I go to Belize? Can't I go to Guatemala? Can't I go and preach in a foreign country? Because it's easier to preach in a foreign country than it is in your own house. It's easier to bind the devil in a foreign country than it is in your own family. Jesus says, I want you to go home because your family needs to see the new you. Your family needs to see the power of God in you. Your spouse needs to know that the same God who heals in Haiti heals in Galilee and heals in Tulsa. And the same God who heals families and demon-possessed people in Belize can do it right here in our city. Jesus is calling you out, out of your comfort zone, out of even the romanticizing of foreign missions, and those are great, but right here, your backyard, your front yard, your your living room, to go home and go, Lord, I want to be a mission-minded person right here. I want to live with your love. I want to live with your compassion. Jesus said at the end of the age, there's going to be people who come to him. This was Matthew 25, some red letters for you. He says at the end of the age, there's going to be people who come to him and they're going to say, we know you. We walked with you. But watch what Jesus says in verse 34 of Matthew 25. He says, the king will say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom of heaven prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. Hey, every time you give in the offering, every time you serve in this church, you are helping feed the hungry. Every week, did you know today we'll give out bags of groceries to people that came to church that we have on site. We give groceries out on this campus at Victory North, at Victory Manford, at the Dream Center. Why? Because we know this is the commandment to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked. This is why we do the Dream Center. Jesus says, I was hungry and you fed me. You weren't cynical sitting in church going, here they go again, asking me to give a dollar. You actually gave. When I called you out from living for yourself, you took the invitation to live with a greater purpose. When I called you out of being selfish, to being compassionate, you moved from sympathy to action and you started serving, you started loving. He says, I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Watch this. He says, I was a stranger and you started a connect group. You opened up your house. You invited me into your home. I was a little weird, it was a little awkward. You didn't know it was me. You were entertaining angels when you thought it was just a homeless guy, just a strange person from the church. How many of y'all know there's some strange people sometimes in the church? We're all some of them. I am too. I'm a little strange. Jesus says, I was naked and you gave me clothes. This last week, I was sharing this with our kids that one time I was on a missions trip in the Philippines. We were in a, uh, an area called Garbage City. And it was near the ocean and they dumped garbage into the ocean right off the coast there. But there was thousands of people that lived in cardboard boxes in the garbage. That was their homes. Didn't have shoes or or shirts. Many of them walking around just in underwear. And we set up to to feed people that day. A lot of kids were sniffing bags of glue because that's how they got rid of their hunger pains from from starvation. They would, many died of starvation. We, We take for granted all that we have here in this nation. We are so blessed, my friends. And, um, and I remember sitting there, and our team started doing some dramas. We started sharing Jesus, and this little boy came and crawled in my lap, and he was in his underwear, and I was thinking, oh, don't sit on me. Like, don't come near me, you know? And uh, he was dirty. He started peeing on me. And I was like, uh, I just want to get up from here. I don't know what to do. And I felt the Lord say, just stay, just stay, just stay. And, and don't move. And the boy sneezed and he wiped his snot all over me. And I was like, Ugh. But I felt the Lord say, this is how I hold you when you're a mess, Paul. This is how I hold Americans that are messy too. We don't always show it sometimes. Our kids do. We got diapers and snot and all kinds of stuff. But Jesus says, this is how I hold you. I was naked and you clothed me. 
I was a stranger and you showed me hospitality. I was a baby in the nursery and you rocked me. I was a teenager in the youth group and you mentored me. I was a new person coming into church and you held the door open for me. I was that guy that was sitting in the cafe. I was kind of crazy. I was kind of weird, but you sat beside me and you had a cup of coffee and you told me to sit with you and your family the next week at church. I was that college student that you just kept on going over to TU and and, and saying, you got to come to victory. You got to come to victory. And I finally came. And then you invited me to go to Buffalo Wild Wings afterwards, and you paid for my meal. I was hungry. You fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you showed me hospitality. I was naked. I was sick. You cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. By the way, we have Victory Bible Colleges in prisons in Oklahoma and all over the world, and and, and even in David L. Moss in jails. We're sharing the gospel. We're getting people taught the word of God, and they're, they're experiencing the love of God right there in their jail cell. And the righteous one said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When were you a stranger and we showed you hospitality? I'm scrolling through Instagram and I don't see it. I'm looking at all of my posts and I can't find you in there. Where were you? Where were you in here? I'm going through this and and I'm trying to find you here. Jesus, that's me right there, right there. Right there, that little boy. Wait, that was you? He said, yeah, you, you didn't know that was me. I was there. And when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. And when you love people, and when you go home, and when you serve, and when you come out of darkness and into light, Jesus set us free, not just for us to live in our freedom, but for us to share that freedom and bring others out of depression, out of darkness. Jesus set that man that was demon-possessed free, and he says, I'm calling you out, not just so that your, your best days are in front of you, but that you would lead other people into their best days. Would you stay on your feet all over this place? Somebody needs your testimony. Somebody needs your courage. Somebody needs you to get out of fear and into faith. Somebody needs you to get out of a hurt place. I was praying for someone at the altar in the last service. They said, we've been very hurt in our past. We've walked through a lot of hurt. I said, he's calling you out of hurt and into healing. Not just that you would be healed, but that you would bring healing to others who've been hurt. See, it's always bigger than us. Somebody say, it's bigger than me. He's calling you out of discouragement into being an encourager. He's calling you out of watching others experience him and encounter him into experiencing him for yourself. I'll never forget one time I was sitting on the bench I was in the varsity basketball team. I was a 10th grader and I never got to play. Never. They never called my name. Like I was the bench warmer. I was sitting there. I had to share a jersey with my friend Daniel Henshaw. Literally, the coach did not even give us our own jersey. He said, you and Daniel just switch off every other game. You get to wear a jersey. Daniel wears the jersey one game. You wear the... It was so embarrassing. I was in 10th grade. I was like, you gave 9th graders a jersey. He's like, you're not good enough, Paul. But anyways, me and Daniel, we were sharing a jersey. Daniel, you're good enough. We got you. Here we are. We're doing it. We're, we're both sharing a jersey. But uh, I remember it was my turn to wear the jersey that night. We were playing Booker T. Washington. They were good. Never, never did my name get called until this moment. And I'm still confused why Coach Mercy had called my name. Still doesn't make sense. But sometime in the fourth quarter, Doherty! Doherty! I said, Doherty! Doherty! And I was like, hey. He's like, you're the only Doherty on the team. (laughs) You Yahoo, get in there. So so I I go over to the scoreboard. I'm scared. He's like, you ready? I was like, no. (laughs) He goes, you're going in there. For who? For Stewart. It's like, Casey Stewart, he's really good. He's like, you go in there, give him a break. I was like, why is this happening? I wonder if Jesus is calling you off the bench. I wonder if he's calling you off of just watching other people encounter and experience and be used by God. I wonder if he's calling out some people that feel ashamed, discouraged, unqualified like me, sharing a jersey like I don't know if I'm supposed I don't know if I'm a real sheep or a goat. I don't know what I am, you know. Jesus says, "I've called you. I'm calling you out." Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. 
It's time. He's calling you. Blind Bartimaeus, it's time. Your healing is here. Your victory is here. Your freedom is here. Whatever you came in here with, with every head bowed, every eye closed, he's calling your name. It's your turn. He's on the intercom right now. He's speaking your name. He's saying it's time for you to step out of darkness into light, out of shame into grace, out of bondage into freedom, out of unforgiven into forgiveness, out of watching other people encounter him into being yourself, a candidate for a miracle, a candidate to be used by God for such a time as this. Esther, Who's to know that you've been sent to the kingdom for such a time as this Bartimaeus? It's time to get up. He's calling your name. It's time to get up. He's calling your name. He's calling your name today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready to receive whatever it is that you came in here needing from Jesus, I want you to lift your hand up on the count of three. One, doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Two, stop worrying about what it's going to do. Three, lift your hand up today. If you say, I need something from Jesus. I need him to change something in my life. I need, I want you to just leave your seat. Come down to this altar. This is your moment. He's calling your name. This altar is for you. He's calling you into a new season of victory, into a new season for his kingdom come in your life. Come on, worship team. I want us just to go into worship. Whatever you came in here with, today is your day to leave different, to leave with a change, to leave with a greater purpose. To leave from sitting on the bench to getting out on the field, in the courts, to be a part of what God's doing in the earth right now. You make the darkness tremble. You make the darkness tremble. Come on, let's just begin to worship all over this place. If you need Jesus today, if you need to get saved today, come and join us at this altar. If you need healing today, come and join us at this altar. If you need freedom today, come and join us at this altar. Jesus, Jesus, He's your source. He's your Savior. He's your healer. He's your deliverer. He's your redeemer. He's greater than your shame. He's greater than your darkness. He's greater than your past. He's greater than your presence. Yeah. 
today, I want you to just receive this right where you're standing, if you're watching online. Healing is being released in Jesus' name from torment, from depression, from anxiety, from panic attacks, from fear. I used to be so afraid of the dark. I used to be so afraid of the devil, of, of just anything that had to do with him or darkness. I used to be so afraid. I would have nightmares. I would get very nervous and anxious and couldn't sleep. And I would ask my mom and dad to pray for me and, and help me to have a sound mind because I just didn't know what to do. But as I got older, something started changing where I started taking authority myself. Instead of just asking for them to take it, I started realizing I have the same power that my dad and mom have to speak to the darkness and to command fear to leave. And so I just put my hand on my head. In the name of Jesus, I have a sound mind. Fear has to go. Oppression has to go. Torment has to go. Satan, you have no authority over my mind, over my heart. I'm going to sleep sound tonight in Jesus' name. I started praying that. You can start praying that. Lord, I thank you that today, God, freedom is being released. In Jesus' name. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the Come on, let's just worship. He's greater, he's greater, he's stronger.
Here's, here's just an encouragement before we dismiss today. You have the power outside of this building to take authority over darkness, fear, torment, even our own fleshly desires. When you feel tempted, when you feel um, overwhelmed and you feel like giving in, compromising to sin or whatever it is, that you would just begin to declare, he's calling me out. He's calling me out of bondage into freedom. He's calling me out of slavery to sin to being a child of God. I am righteous. I am holy. I am set apart. I have a purpose. So I'm saying no to what my flesh wants and yes to what God wants for my life. When your comfort zone is trying to keep you confined from stepping out and doing something like witnessing at your workplace, inviting someone to church, praying for someone on the spot, God might lead you in Walmart this week to pray for somebody that's sick or depressed or discouraged. God might lead you to do it at Quick Trip. He might lead you to do it at your school. He might lead you to do it at your university. He might tell you what he told that man that he set free back there. Go home. Show your family the power of God. Show your family the love of God. Let them see the new you. Let them see the changed you. Let them see the sound mind you. Let them see the you that's been set free from torment and all of these things that you've walked through. Jesus might this week move through you in your own house, in your own family. Here's my encouragement. Carry that authority outside of this building. Carry the presence of God outside of this building with you wherever you go. Lord, I pray that we would be carriers of your presence, of your revival, of your love, of your goodness, of your grace. Lord, that you've lifted us so that we can lift others. You've pulled us out so we can pull others out. You've saved us. You've forgiven us. You've, you've set us free so that we can live with a greater purpose beyond ourselves. Just say this with me. Jesus, I surrender. I'm all yours. Thank you for calling me out from darkness into light, from fear into faith, from bondage into freedom. I am all yours. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, setting me free, giving me hope, giving me a testimony. Use my life for your glory. Your kingdom come in me and through me. In Jesus' name.